You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 173 with Tim and David. We talk about the GoPro, Apple's upcoming event, Bioshock coming to iOS, and of course our Photo Magical Contest, all that and a lot more. And it is tech fan number 173. I'm Tim Robertson, and as usual, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon for you. Almost noon for me. It's uh, a little short of that still, but uh, boy, it's it's going to be one of those nice, warm days here in Michigan. Not too hot, not really cold. Uh, our local baseball team is the last game of the season this year, so we're going to go to that. Even though we just went to a game last night, and I don't really want to go again. My wife really likes to go because her parents have season tickets. Yeah. Battle Creek Bombers. And it's always a good time. I was getting eaten up by mosquitoes last night, though, which I did not enjoy. Do you have mosquito problems? Uh, it depends on which part of the UK you go to. If you go to Scotland, then they're, they're midges. So they're kind of, in some ways, they're worse than mosquitoes because they're really tiny. <laughs> and yet they will still eat you alive. Yeah. Um, here where I live in Manchester, it's not that much of a problem. I seem to have the blood that mosquitoes really like. I don't know what it is. If there's 50 people standing in a field, I'm the only one who's getting eaten alive. That's why you need to bathe in Agent Orange. Yep, get rid of it. <laughs> My dad actually uh, was exposed to Agent Orange and uh, had to go to the VA quite a few times because of it. Yeah? Yep. Yep, it was one of those things in Vietnam that, you know, there's a good chance that if you were there, you got exposed, and he did. Um, I I don't think it's had any lasting effects on him, but he wasn't real happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet not. As you can imagine. What with that on top of all the people shooting at you? Yeah, there's always that, too. So, uh, anyways, uh, I you know, we're going to do that tonight, and uh, hopefully it'll it'll be a nice way to wrap up this week. Um as you know, David, this was my first week working at Otherworld Computing as an employee. And uh, it's different than yep. my last job. And I like it. Good. And the only thing I don't like is the four-plus-hour drive to get to OWC. But I'm only there for two days a week, and then I work from home the rest of the time. Well, they're not laying a limo on for you? No. <laughs> it's, uh, it's keeping me busy. And I'm, yeah. I can't wait to share some of the information here of what we're doing there. But obviously, I can't do that. What I can share, though, is uh, I do have a uh, new OWC radio that's gone live this week. That was fun. Uh, and it was, you know how we talked about on the last show, I was inviting people to come on to the show, uh, customers, and talk about stuff like that. We did that. And the cool. first one went live. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a good time. And I have a blog post up at blog maxsales.com um <clears throat> excuse me that's always fun to uh to get back to writing again and i did one on creating you know they added that home video category in itunes on the last big update 11 did they uh yeah <laughs> going to itunes so infrequently now i didn't even notice yeah they did uh the problem is all your old movies that's already in there especially all your home videos 
they're not categories, so you do have to fix that. But with your home videos, you only get, you know, as the cover flow graphic, or as I call it, the DVD graphic, mm-hmm. is the first frame of the video, which really isn't reflective of the whole video. So I thought it would be cool to clean up my library and give it DVD style covers for all my home videos. And I show people how to do that. So that was a lot of fun to do. Yeah. You know, the, one of the downsides I find of uh, our move to digital media is that you have to do a lot more work to maintain it. You, you know, and back in back in the day when you had videotapes, you would just uh, scribble on the cardboard cover with a sharpie, and you were done, and you kind of knew what it was. Whereas now we have to do all this kind of overhead processing. The same with the photos; you could stick them in an album and uh, write on the cover, and then you knew what they were. Now you have to put them in categories or tag them or put them in directory and most of us don't bother most of the time. I'm a little worried about this change. Apple is basically getting rid of iPhoto and it's just going to be photos now, right? Yeah. What happens to all my tagged faces? Are they still there? I would imagine so. I'm going to be really ticked off if if they did away with the face tagging because I have gone in and tagged a quarter of my 20,000 photos. Now think about that. 20,000 photos and I've tagged a quarter of them. That's fifty uh, five thousand photos that I've tagged. That's, That's a quite lot. a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> I th- I think the only risk is that Apple sometimes has a history of uh, kind of removing features and then bringing them back later. And then when they bring them back later, they can't. Oh, it's better this time around. But of course, in the meantime, you've lost it. Yeah, they've done that with some of their professional apps. So. Um, We'll have to see. I guess we'll maybe we'll find out a bit more in a couple of weeks. Apple's got an event in a couple of weeks, so we'll see whether they release that app then as part of iOS eight. Uh do you do you think they're going to release? Oh well, I don't know. Um, I, I know it's been talking about this is the iPhone event, which traditionally it's that's what it's going to be. Well, I, it's I it, it, it's either going to be iPhones or iPads. It's that time of year. Yeah. Um, the uh, the iPad Air and the iPad Mini with the rest of them came out this time last year, so it's either going to be an iPad event or it could be an iPhone event or it could be both. I think it's unlikely it's neither and it's something else, but that's probably a third possibility as well. Um, be interesting to see, really. So let's uh, let's focus a little bit on that event and let's assume let's put the the iPads to the side for a minute because I can't imagine other than the fingerprint reader. And going with, you know, better glass, if you will. I can't imagine there's a whole lot they can really do with the iPad at this point, is there? I mean... Well, I, I don't know, but certainly the the growth in sales of the iPad has slowed. I don't know whether Apple that's something Apple's concerned about, wants to do something about. Um, it doesn't surprise me particularly. I think that iPads are because of the price of them are much less the sort of thing you tend to replace every year. Um, and there's no contractual commitments associated with them, so you don't have incentives to replace them when you come to the end of a contract. So it doesn't surprise me that perhaps iPad sales are softening um, or the growth of iPad sales are softening. So perhaps if they want to keep, you know, give that market a bit of a kick, they might want to do something with the iPad. It's hard to imagine what they might do, but... Um, you know, that's why they design stuff and we don't. So they yeah. can imagine stuff we don't. I, I think their problem with the iPad, and, and I saw a lot of speculation, why is iPad sales slowing? I think once they hit the iPad 3, once that one came out with the Retina display, the people who bought that, 
didn't see the big need to buy a new one unless they wanted to go with the iPad mini, right? Mm -hmm. So those people are, and those people would be me as well, are holding those devices until <coughs> they sneeze like that. Excuse me. Um, th there's just no need to buy the new one. It doesn't do anything more than your current one does. So well, yeah. Until your current I mean one starts going away or you come into some extra cash that you have nothing to spend it on, they're just content to keep using that same iPad. Uh, well, let's, yeah. I mean, uh, the if you have a retina display... That's if you don't have a Retina display, that's one driver. Right, but that's I know what I, said, that, I know they hit the yeah. iPad three. I know they increase the speed of the internals every year, but in practice, met, not many apps kind of show that. Nope. So, uh, and you won't. You're only used to what you're used to. So, yeah, have an iPad Air and an iPad three side by side. You're going to see the fact that the iPad Air is much faster, but you're not. You you can't. You can't tell. It doesn't because of the experience on the iPad. They don't tend to stutter. They don't tend to lock up and that sort of thing. Um, I guess the only real driver is if you find you've filled it up and you want more storage, then you might think about getting a new one. Yeah, that could be. Um, or otherwise, if the battery starts to go. The, the, my, my wife had an iPad 2. I don't know. Maybe she, maybe, no, she had an iPad 3. It was, our, it was my old iPad 3. And she changed an iPad Air last year because the battery was starting to go on it. And uh, she said, well, I, I don't want to go take in and have the battery change. I'd rather just replace it with a new one. Um, so that's what we did. So, so I, the, I, I, I think... I think you're right that that that's that very quick spike in sales when the iPad was launched really came from the fact that that, that was people adopting it rapidly. But now it, it is going to start to plateau because um, people aren't replacing as much. And many of the early adopters now already have one. And, you know, with the laptop line, with the iMacs, with the Mac Pro, with the Mac Mini, there's still a lot of different things they can do with the form factor to kind of spark that interest in those products again. I don't know. There's only so much they can do with an iPad, right? Well, yeah, it's already pretty thin. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean... It, you know, they can shave a little bit off it, but eventually... It's not going to get significantly better, is it? Uh, I don't... Well, I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, in terms of pixel density, it doesn't seem to be a lot of mileage in, in increasing that just for the sake of increasing it. Right. Uh, I know the Android manufacturers like to do that, but that's never really been Apple's game. No, and they uh, do it for... Advertising and marketing purposes, not yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't think of any. I guess the only thing is to go to a different form factor again. Maybe you know they've talked about a larger iPad. Um, yeah, thirteen inch. I don't no, know, twelve or a thirteen inch. But I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. But yeah, I, I'm I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting something stellar on the iPad front. They were, that would be quite amazing if they did that. But certainly the iPhone. The iPhone's been in the same form factor for a couple of years now, so it and, does feel like it's time for a change. Right, and I think that that's what we're going to get this year. Now, the speculation up to this point has been Apple is releasing two new iPhones. They're going to release a, what, 4.7-inch and a 5.5-inch size screens. And, you know, it's got the new unbreakable glass on it. It's uh, a better camera. I saw 13 megapixels. Uh brandied about is that yeah. enough to bump up sales again and more than that because I, I think we both agree that it is more than that do you think apple would release two phones no i don't think so either no. they apple is all about keeping the line simple mm -hmm. i think i think they will 
maintain the four inch form factor as the lower end phone and then they'll have the 4.7 inch as the higher end phone they're effectively the kind of what they did last year with the 5c 5s it'll be the same thing the the 5c or whatever it is will remain as it is perhaps with the 5s the plastic one but with the 5s's internals yeah uh and then and then there will also be a uh, and i think they will keep the 5s as well because I think they'll recognise they might bump that inside, but they'll rec- they'll recognise that some people don't want a bigger phone than than four inches, and then the 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 kind of the top end phone will be the uh, the four point seven inch, and I've kind of come around to that as as you know listeners know that I've I've played with larger phones before, and I currently have a a six inch Nokia Lumia that I use when I travel, um, and it's amazing when you first see the things you think. God, it's, it's a slab. It's enormous. Right. Who would want anything that large? But you very quickly get used to it. And I was talking to a colleague of mine uh, this afternoon about this before we start the show. Uh, he'd not heard there was an Apple event coming, so we, we were kind of talking about the iPhone. And and he was saying, oh, you know, I'm not really sure whether I want anything larger than what I have now. And I said, yeah, but haven't you noticed, and, and I talked about my own experience here, that now when I browse the web on the iPhone, it feels like doing keyhole surgery. <laughs> it's so small yeah, and is. it's so fiddly. And what I tend to do, I found, found myself doing this several times in the last few months now, is that I'll be sat, sat on the couch and I'll have my iPhone with me because it's in my pocket and I'll start looking up something and then I'll put it down and then I'll go and find my iPad and then do the same thing on the iPad because it's just so much nicer doing it in the iPad with a bigger screen. And, and I said, how did we ever, I mean, when we first got the original iPhone one it's three and a half inch screen it's smaller lower resolution and we thought the web on that was amazing and now you look back and you think how did i ever do anything on something so small so low res um and and yeah so i think i think there is i think people will adopt a, a slightly larger iphone and i think it would be a big seller for apple if that's the way they're going but i don't see a 5.5 inch one at this point i don't either i, I just can't figure out their product tree if they released both a 4.7 and a 5.5 i I don't see how that would work at all because how do you differentiate between those three products? Because at that point they would have to, I think the the 5S would have to go away and you would have the 5C, just the plastic phone. That would be the, the lower one. Then you'd have a 4.7 and a 5.5. I don't, I don't see that. I just, I can't see that. No, What's of course. the big difference between the 4.5? Nine or four point seven and the five point five. Yeah, it, it it's just size. I mean, and, and then yeah, and then do those have the same resolution? Do they have different resolutions? I mean, if you're not careful, you end up with fragmenting the line, which is well something that Apple's always avoided. Yep. And there's one of the things that's always trumpeted over Android is is it's not fragmented. So why would you want to? Why you want somebody to go in Apple store and give them fairly simple choices? Yep. Uh, and Apple is all about that. It's all about, for a long time, it was just one phone, and it was well, just how, how much storage you want. That was the only choice you had. Now there's a few more choices. You can have one with colors on it. You can have one without. Uh, you can also have much how much storage, and, and that's what I just don't see them having all of those choices across multiple different lines. I think they like to keep it simple. And they may even go as far as saying, well, you want the the cutting edge phone then you've got to come you've got to have the bigger screen uh, and uh, if, if you want if you want the four inch screen then uh, effectively you, you take the five the five c or whatever the five c becomes a six c i guess um so uh, i i guess we'll see on that but i don't see it being incredibly complicated because they don't want people 
I, the, the problem is the more choice you give to people in a retail situation, the higher the risk that they go, oh, you know what, I'm going to think about this, and they walk out the store and you don't get the sale. And you don't want too many <laughs> SKUs of the same product. No. And, and also getting really close to that now with the iPhones because yeah, they have different SKUs for different carriers. They have different colors on, on all of them now. And you also have different configurations. You can get 16, 32, 64 gig. Um, maybe maybe a 128 as yeah. well might might be uh, on the cards. I mean, it's it's probably time for that too. Um, so yeah, I I don't I don't see them doing that. I don't think that's quite what Apple is about. Um, no, neither do I. So, uh, I I'd, I'd be interested to see how they how they approach this, but. Uh, you know, I, I, I've got to admit, I've had this 5S for a few months. Um, I took it off somebody who left the company. Um, but actually, contractually-wise with the company, I'm, I'm in a position where I can upgrade. So um, I probably would go for a, a 4.7-inch iPhone. I know I would. I want a larger iPhone. And to be honest, the 5.5 sounds better to me, simply mm. because it's larger. But... Yeah, I'm trying to think, is 4.7 that much bigger than a 4? And I think, I think it is, because I look at my wife's 4S, which is, you know, the 3.5-inch screen compared oh. to my 4-inch screen, and there's a significant difference. Yeah. I, I, I think, you're, yeah, going to a 4.7-inch over a 4-inch screen is going to be quite a substantial difference. Yeah. I mean, remember, that's a diagonal, so your actual um, length and width expands quite significantly it's quite a it's a fair bit larger i'm just interested to see what they're going to do about resolution yeah because uh obviously they they've normally have been to keep things simple for the app developers they've they've been limited on resolution so i'll be interested to see how they cope with that and whether they've got a, a clever way of dealing with that it would be interesting to find out i am looking forward to this event we've got about a month to go at this point yeah. and uh i expect if they do announce it You'll be able to buy it within a week or two. Yeah, that, that's not in the way they go now. Yep. But the, I mean, I guess the other thing that's that's really kind of cool is that iOS eight will come out at the same time. So even if you don't fancy the new hardware, it's all it's like we're all getting a free phone, new phone anyway because we're going to be able to move to iOS eight. And they have with, to release macOS ten ten at the same time, don't they? Yosemite has I, to come out at the same time as they do because they're now interdependent on each other because right. a lot of the features uh are apply apply for this cross-platform stuff between the phone and the and the computer i mean that's half the marketing that they did between ios and mac os on the last big keynote thing that they did at wwdc was showing how these two platforms are interconnected now you could take your yeah. screen off one do this and your phone calls on your mac and uh granted most of the benefits were hitting the mac not ios but it does work both ways, and I think they have to be released at the same time. Boy, what an undertaking that is. I mean, if you're Apple, think about this. You have to release new hardware, probably just iPhones. I can't imagine they're going to roll out the iPads yet. I think they're going to hold that for another month or at least three weeks after the iPhone event because they don't want to dilute that at all. They want to give it its own yeah. event. So they're going to release new hardware, new phone software, new Mac software, all at the same time. God, kind of makes you nostalgic for the days back when they when they had to pull people off the OS X Mac team to help them deliver the iOS version. And, and the other way around. They did yeah. it the other way around, too. So, oh, but it's, look, here's the point. September is going to be a very busy month 
for Apple and their enthusiasts like us, because yeah. we're going to be updating everything to these new software and hardware. So mm-hmm. a lot more to talk about in a month from now. But up until that point, David, we still have a ton of other things to talk about. A lot of cool technology that's not Apple related. And uh, do you got anything that you've been playing with lately that's you know not Apple related that you want to share? Or well, this this, this is um, this isn't something I've been playing with, but it's something I've been be, I've become interested in because I kind of when I went to Hong Kong last year. Uh, in fact, no, it was when I was in San Francisco last year for VMworld. I noticed something that I'd not seen before which was a, a product category that kind of sprung up out of nowhere and all of a sudden had become very, very hot. And that was these GoPro action cameras. Because mm-hmm. it, it really kind of struck me when I went to San Francisco last year that all of a sudden these things were everywhere. They were being sold everywhere and they were being advertised everywhere. And and certainly, you know, as a, as a big news reader, you, you regularly see um, marketing videos from GoPro now and also from other companies, but are kind of in that kind of cool dude action skateboard surfing skiing type space you know uh, effectively these cameras are used everywhere now for recording multiple different angles on on uh, action events and it, it kind of struck me that this this these things are huge and uh, they've just kind of grown out of nowhere and who'd have thought two three years ago when cell phone cameras really kind of started kicking every single other camera um, every camera market, you know, really in the shorts and taking them over, all of them were declining, that a, a fixed point of view camera all of a sudden would start to dominate again. And, and GoPro does seem to have found this niche in that most people don't want to put their smartphones uh, kind of on a helmet or something and then go skiing. Um, and yet they want the solution to that. And you see them everywhere. And the marketing behind these products has been fantastic. They're using kind of viral videos, um, and they're doing actual things with it. Now, I've seen the, the, the fancy full where uh, Superman finds one of these cameras. Yeah. And he puts it on his head, and he flies around, ostensibly, Metropolis. And I don't even think it's Metropolis. I don't know where it is, uh, L.A. or something. And he yeah. flies around, and he, he saves some people from a burning building. And uh, eventually, he returns it to the owner because the owner's name is on it. And mm-hmm. it's a fantastic video. I mean, it's really well done. And then I've seen yeah. them market it with like skateboarding events. So it's real events. And it's hard to deny that the video quality is awesome. And because they're the way they're advertising it, you, you get the impression that these things are rugged, they're dependable, and the quality is fantastic. Absolutely. And, and apparently, um, I understand that, that the real edge that GoPro has is, is not so much the cameras, it's the mounting systems. Yep. The fact that they have built the cases and the mounting systems to allow you to put these things everywhere. And um, it's becoming almost synergistic now. They've been hugely embraced by the advertising industry because they allow you to do things you've not been able to do before with, with commercials. And so if you look at Red Bull's marketing, who are very much operating in that same kind of extreme sports space, yep. their marketing would not be possible without the GoPro because everything they do is all about showing these kind of, you know, these young rip guys doing mountain biking and skiing and all these crazy stunts. And, and even that guy who jumped out of the balloon at 130 miles up was rigged up with GoPros. So it allows you to get a viewpoint on these uh, commercial activities that people have never been able to see before. And, and you're right, it is kind of 
semi-viral in that there seems to be an ongoing competition to show the most extreme videos coming from from these devices it's it's Um, even not extreme stuff i saw there's a video that really hit here in the united states you might have seen it over there on the fourth of july of course we always have the big fireworks display and someone put a gopro on a real sophisticated drone and flew it through fireworks yeah Um, i saw that and it's just amazing no one's ever seen fireworks that those big fireworks exploding that's close to your camera and the different angles and i mean that it got like five million hits on youtube yeah. just that one video what yeah. a commercial for gopro they didn't Absolutely. pay a dime for that commercial no the, the thing is is that these things aren't cheap no <laughs> you would yeah. think oh nowadays you know with cell phone cameras and everything to be able to churn out a camera it must be really cheap they're not cheap they're about 300 dollars a piece yep without all the accessories and everything else and yet they are absolutely kicking it in the shorts to the other to the other camera makers apparently they they're outselling sony they're outselling canon and nikon at the moment why do you think uh, so that is? just because i think people like what you can do even though they're less functional cameras they like what you can do with them it's actually about taking the point and shoot and saying well instead of just having the typical tourists you know with one hung on a strap from their wrist uh, taking snapshots it's about what does this technology allows you to do that's different and i think the fact is is that because you can mount them in odd places and get these kind of unique point of view scenes that's what makes them attractive to people and they and because they have built up a real marketing base i mean they have become almost like the uh the standard for that sort of thing when people i can't imagine it's long before people start talking about gopro as a as a as a verb um rather than or as a generic noun rather than talking about action cameras because i think that's the sort of penetration they're getting into the into people's psyche now and and that means that they'll make more sales because when people think about oh i want to do have a skateboard cam or something like that they're they're going to assume that the best way of doing that is with an officially branded gopro or with the cheap chinese knockoff it's uh you know who i kind of feel sorry for at this point you remember the flip cameras uh, well, yeah, exactly, and and I was thinking about that when when I started thinking about this because I still have a flip. So do I. And I, didn't, and, I never use it, but I have it. Yeah, they they really kind of they could have caught this ahead of time, and they didn't. It was and, totally in their. It was for them. I mean, this was their yeah. market. They they kind of got really big, really fast, and then gone almost overnight. Well, they, they they the problem is is they sold out, and oh, they sold true. out to the. So they sold out to the wrong company. They sold out to Cisco, yeah. who basically killed them because they didn't know what to do with it. Um, Cisco, I think, bought it because they had some notion of doing video conferencing with them. But um, they, the thing is, they didn't see this niche. They didn't see. They they were still thinking of the video camera as a kind of a, a you know a home snapshot vehicle instead of saying, well, actually, what else can we do with these things? Um, it'd be interesting to see though whether it actually is a bubble and whether. In a few years' time, people are still doing this, or they kind of tire of it. Or do you think it's uh, another flip that they'll sell to somebody, or it'll just go away for a while and eventually replace by something else? Because video isn't going away anytime. I mean, no, we love I, video. I guess the the problem the problem is is that if you if you're a if you're a premium brand like this, if you're selling these at three hundred dollars a piece, if if people start to realize they can get equivalent quality. Um, for fifty to fifty dollars a piece, then then that's going to suck suck the air out of that market. Um, well, that's what the flips were heading towards. I mean, 
at the end they were like 99 bucks for i think it was a 1080p camera i know yeah. it was at least 720 but i mean they they stopped right as the hd thing was really starting to take off yeah but you're not telling me yeah yeah you're not telling me in a in a in a GoPro Hero 3, which is the kind of top of the range one at 300 bucks, that the uh, electronics and the lenses and that are particularly special. I'm sure they're standard off the shelf sure, part. Absolutely. Yeah. If so, special, yeah. It would be more than 300 bucks. Exactly. So, um, yes, they're going to pay a lot of attention to quality because that's important for something that needs to operate in the extreme environment. But, you know, there, there's got to be a, an an attitude that says, well, if I can buy six cheap cameras for the same money, who cares if a couple of them break? That's absolutely right. It'd be interesting to see, um, and and perhaps an interesting exercise in in marketing and brand management, see how GoPro take that going forward, because they're certainly, excuse the pun, but they're surfing the crest of a wave at the moment. Sure. Uh, And uh, it'd be interesting to see how easy it is to maintain that for them. I... And I also think this is for a certain demographic. And you and I are not in that demographic on any level, David. This is for people who are doing extreme stuff that want a videotape that you've never really seen before or that was hard to do. Uh, Or it's, you know, people that are just doing weird things like strapping it to their bumper. You know, (laughs) you you know, you say that, but I, I watched something the other day and this was a, this was, um, a new story in Florida where a cop basically pulled somebody over uh, and it turned out the guy pulled over was, uh, was who was speeding was a, a Lieutenant in internal affairs. And they, were, uh, they got into an altercation because basically when the cop pulled him over, he, he said license registration and the internal affairs Lieutenant immediately pulled a, do you know who I am type of deal, uh, got very aggressive and tried to get out the car and he ended up being cuffed on the ground. And oh, of course, hold on a minute. I want to see this. <laughs> so it's Florida. Yeah. This is Florida, yeah. I'll 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 send you a I'll send you a link to it, yeah. Um, so the but the point is the only now in normally that would happen and you know what would happen the cop would get busted back to desk duty because he pulled the lieutenant over and it'd be the lieutenant's word against his. But in fact, the cop had his own GoPro running on the dash, so he video and they now this particular police department don't do body worn video or dash video as standard but he had his own okay i've got the video i'm gonna watch it let's take a quick break here david come back uh finish this conversation let me watch it real quick because i want to see this so uh let's take a quick break drop in a commercial we'll be right back hi there how are you it's the governor do you know how i got my huge muscles well do you i worked out every day and ate my vegetables Now I'm learning how to grow my very own on the Your Own Victory Garden podcast. It's only on the Stoplight Network. I'm a gardener, you idiot. No, it's not a tumor. It's compost. Don't go to the chopper. Get to the raised bed. Hasta la vista, baby. Back here on Tech Fan Podcast 173. We'd love to get feedback from you. And we do have some to read here in a few minutes. Uh, get a hold of us is really, really easy. Simply email us, Tim at TechFanPodcast or David at TechFanPodcast. And that's the easiest way. But you can also go up to our website, TechFanPodcast.com, and leave a message right there under the show notes. And that's what we got this one uh, coming up here, isn't it, David? That's where it's from? Yep. 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 Um, from someone named Tim Clark. So 
we were talking before the break about the GoPro and the cop who pulls over an internal affairs officer and he's got his own GoPro running and yeah, I watched the video. Yep. Go. So what you can see from the video that, you know, it was a legitimate stop that he didn't kind of throw the the cop didn't throw his weight around. uh, And the internal affairs officer certainly didn't, you know, announce himself as a, uh, properly as a police officer and kind of got very irate very quickly. Now, in ordinary circumstances, that cop probably would have lost his job over that. Yeah. Um, whereas now he has evidence to show that actually he did a legitimate stop. And you remember a couple of years ago was that meteor in Russia and everyone saw it because they all had dash cams. Sure. So I think this is one area where, in fact, you might see stuff like the GoPro kind of really penetrate the mainstream is people starting to mount them on their, on their cars, kind of like the Russians do so that everyone has a record of what's going on as they're driving around. Because, let's face it, if you, you get in an accident or anything like that, having some sort of record about what actually happened is going to be an advantage to you. Absolutely. Yeah, I could see that. It, it, the know. price has to come down for that really to be a, a thing, though. Yeah, well, uh, you, as I say, you can pick up much, much cheaper ones. So I'd, it'll be interesting to see whether GoPro push themselves down into that market or allow themselves to be taken over by, by copies. Um, but I, I think it could be coming a thing. And what's interesting about all of this stuff is, is this is a niche with these cameras that uh, smartphones can't fill. You can't use smartphones for these these no. things. You can't you can't use a smartphone camera running all the time. They're not designed to be... <clears throat> To, no, to run like that, hot, they have number one, yeah, overheat and it would fill up, fill up, and it would run out of battery. Yep. So, um, and also as well, I've seen people using these kind of in crowd situations where they want to get video, uh, and they can. You, these things are small; you can stick them on a pole, yep. uh, and then stick them up over your head. And uh, I can see that sort of stuff as well. Who, who knows? We may get away from that. It used to be that people hold up, held up the lighters at concerts, and nowadays they're holding up their smartphones at concerts. Maybe in five years' time, it'll be everyone holding up a little camera on a pole at concerts. <laughs> so you think, you know, here's the big argument not too long ago. A single-use device compared to, you know, like an iPod, uh, a cell phone, a laptop, compared to an all-in-one device like an iPhone, an iPad, those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um you think that there's going to be a resurgence in the single-use device, at least in this category? I mean, obviously there already is, to a certain I, extent. I, I see the the advantages in this in this case of certainly disconnecting the business end of the camera from from the phone. So, I, I mean, who knows? You could see a device where the uh, where the the camera effect. In fact, I, in fact, I've seen devices like this where the camera is effectively use the lens and, a, and an image processor and then wireless and this the, the phone controls it yep um so uh, that perhaps that's also an and a way that that gopro might want to go with this in fact i've got a feeling they've already got apps like that for some of their cameras um but but the advantage is is that sometimes you want the physical bit not on the phone because otherwise you can only control it when it's on the phone and you've got the phone in your hand so being able to separate it to me in this particular case is an advantage. So, so perhaps your dash putting it, you know, in your home, that's pointing at the door. Exactly. For a security Uh, camera. I mean, there's all kinds of different things you could do. As our phones get more powerful, you can see them being able to manage a few of these things. And then you could have different ones doing, doing different, uh, different functions. And, and I'm sure the, the camera parts themselves will get smaller. 
Oh, of course. So, I mean, if you reduce the size from, from what it is today, which is not particularly large, but if you halve it or quarter that, then all of a sudden you've got a very, very portable device that can go in all sorts of places. And if it's then controlled by a phone uh, or controlled by another device, then, then you, you've got you've kind of, kind of got the best of both worlds. But the problem with the smartphone camera is it's on the smartphone. And um, I, I don't know, I find it it's fine for taking pictures, but if you're doing video... Um, I, I find it a little bit obtrusive, the fact that you have to stare at what you're shooting through the phone screen. If it's something you actually want to watch, if it's your kids at a soccer game or it's a concert or something like that, Save it's kind of, to me it's kind of daft to be staring at a screen yeah. instead of actually watching it in real life. But unfortunately, because of the way smartphone cameras are set up, you have to stare it through the screen if you want to film it. So these are an opportunity to kind of allow you to set the camera running and then forget about it and then look, worry about it afterwards. One of the things we want to remind people about on this episode of uh, Tech Fan is we do have a contest running. It is for yep. a, a one copy of Photo Magico from Boink Software. It's really, really simple to enter the contest, and this contest is going to end next week. So, yeah, I mean, you've got between now and next Thursday to enter. And if you uh, if you're late entering, you you can't participate, right, David? Because <laughs> we're going to uh, you've got to be in it to win it. Yeah. So the easiest way to enter, and the only way to enter, is to send an email to contest at mymac m y m a c dot com before August fourteenth, twenty fourteen, and uh, you're in the contest. The only thing I ask is in the body of the message, put in there, did you hear about the contest on TechFan or MyMac? Because yeah. the MyMac guys are running the same contest. They're going to yeah. be giving away a copy of this software, too. And on, like I said, on August 14th, 2014, I'm going to pick two random winners. One from the Tech Fan Show and one from the MyMac Show. Yeah. So uh, make sure you listen to both shows and uh, enter the contest. This is good software, David. It is. But that, that thing about saying where you heard it is really important. Because we are running a sweep and whoever loses buys steak dinner for the other podcast. Absolutely. So. And we're ahead right now. I will. <laughs> I will say that, but we have an advantage because we were both here last week and poor Gaz was all by himself on the last show. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Well, uh, you, knowing how Guy is, you can see that as either an advantage or yeah, a disadvantage. There you go. <laughs> you know what I actually listened to, and I never actually, I, I never listened to it back at the time, was right. the 500th episode of the MyMac show. That yeah. was uh, kind of the big celebration show, 500 episodes, been around for five years. And uh, we recorded it earlier this year, and it was Guy and Gaz, of course. Then it was uh, you, me, mm -hmm. and Chad Perry, my original co-host on the MyMac podcast. So the five, you know, at one time permanent hosts of that show were all together. And yep. I had never listened to that back, and I, I was listening to that back coming from uh, OWC on Tuesday night. I was laughing. It was a lot of yeah. fun to listen to. I don't know if you ever listened to it back, but... Yeah, I, I did. I did a while ago. It, that was fun. It was, was funny. Yeah, it made me uh, nostalgic, but not wanting to do such a big show like that again for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people. I would say probably once that conversation started, you and Chad kind of got the short end of the stick when it came to that conversation. Um, I, you know, well, those things happen when you have that many people. That's right. Yeah. But it was still fun to listen to. Definitely. I, and it got me thinking. You know, we've got a rich history of podcasting, David. This is episode 173 of Tech Fan. 
we've done an episode uh, 173 before you and I. Did you know that? Uh, what, a, a MyMac show? Yeah, that's right. We did, yeah. in February 2008, uh, episode 173 of the MyMac podcast was you and me. And uh, here's the description. See if you remember this. Last week, we interviewed Lee Givens from America Online. He was so much fun to talk to. Lee returns as a co-host this week with Tim, Owen, and David to talk about Macs, Apple TV, headphones, iTunes, passing Best Buy and music sales, and the future of broadband and much more. I remember that. I do remember doing that show. <laughs> yeah. That that was, uh, well, 2008. How many years ago was that? Six years ago? Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time ago. It is. I still follow Lee on Twitter. Do you? So do I. Uh, yeah. I I'm friends with him on uh, Facebook as well. He's on some kind of a cruise or something right now because he's got all these photos of his daughters and all these really cool locations. And I'm not sure where they are off the top of my head, but I've been seeing that. Um, but man, that was, that was eight years ago. Yeah. That's a long time ago, but that's the last time you and I did an episode that was 173. <laughs> and here we are in 2014. We're doing yet another episode 173. It's a, it's a different it, show, but it is. It still boggles my mind that we've. It's, it's still. This still seems like we only just started doing it. Yeah, we've done nearly two hundred episodes already. I know you. <laughs> that was pretty early in your run too. Uh, yeah. You came in as you know one of the hosts in two thousand and eight. Mm -hmm. uh, your first thing you did with us was in two thousand and seven, though. But at that point, the show had already been around for three years. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, it's it is kind of odd that we're still doing this. I mean, you don't see too many shows, especially non-commercial, actually especially commercial that lasts as long. And yes, yeah. this is not the same show, but it's just a continuation of what we were doing before. We really never mm -hmm. stopped. We had a little bit of a break when I was doing the original OWC radio for about nine months, but then we picked up when I stopped that show. We picked up Tech Fan the very next week with episode number one and. Here we are. Yeah. So it's it's been a great run. I'm looking forward to uh, 273, 373. You know, I don't I don't have any plans of ever stopping Tech Fan. I hope you feel no. The same just fun. just to let just let the Tonight Show know, guys. know we're gunning for you. Absolutely. <laughs> By 2020, we'll have this locked in so well that. Uh, do you want the Tonight Show or? Because I, I was thinking of maybe David Letterman's show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th think he's going to have to retire eventually. And the Tonight Show, Fallon I think is doing it, such a good job that yeah. Has he has he not has uh, Letterman not recently announced that he is? I think he didn't say he was going to retire. He said that he he didn't give a date, but he said that he was going to give it up soon. Yeah, and thank goodness. Yeah. I'm, he, whatever magic he had has been over for like three or four years <laughs> at this point. It really has. I used to love watching David Letterman, and his curmudgeon attitude was fun when he was a younger man. It doesn't mm -hmm. work so much when he's in his 70s. It's just saying, yeah. eh, okay, now you're just like, get off my lawn. Rah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't work. And I don't feel like he can really, he's he's not with whatever scene it happens to be. He just. Okay. Yeah. Well, we just need to let them know that we're available. We will be available. They have to work yeah. around, because uh, I don't want to stop Tech Fan to do, you know. No, no. I, I think we yeah, we'd have to uh, we'd have to kind of schedule that in. We're going to be very right. busy, and uh, I don't want to stop the OWC stuff. But you know, no, we got what yeah. we got to do is get them to record it at night. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, def- we'll, that's the way to do it. Yeah, we'll figure it out somehow. But uh, yeah, we're we're here, David. We're ready for you. See, and <laughs> it's Dave Letterman, Dave Cohen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does anybody hey, call what, you Dave? Uh, my my family call me Dave, but I don't, even though they or they used to anyway, they've kind of tried to talk themselves out of it now because I expressed a few years ago that I prefer to be called David. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I get. I mean, the, the nature of having, I mean, it's, it's, it would be like you saying you prefer Timothy. Right. The, the nature of your name is that people automatically shorten it without thinking about it. So you can't get too upset when people do that because they don't know. Um, but a few years ago that we were having a conversation and, and I said to just haven't said to my family, I said, well, I do prefer to be called David rather than Dave. <laughs> Since then, they kind of fall over themselves trying to remember to do it. Hey Dave, uh, 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 David, could you come here for a minute? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Christmas presents on. Or, or, or you get out and David written down. You get you get the oh, hello, David. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same yeah. thing. Yeah, can I talk to David? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was wondering about that. I was always going to ask you, and I, I just never did. So yeah, nobody calls me Timothy. Nobody does, and also no one ever calls me Timmy. I hate Timmy. For obvious reasons. Well, it was that, and before that, it was Lassie has to go tell someone that Timmy's trapped down the well. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, Yeah. well, Timmy is very much a you know, it's like it's like kids who call you daddy, isn't it? I mean, it's very much a young young person's game. Yep. So we talked about uh, the problems we had sharing notes using iCloud and Pages last week. This week, we're actually using uh, Google Docs. And it's working fine. I know you're not real happy with it, but there's another one that you would like to give a try eventually to. Uh, yeah, the thing is, is that yeah, I'm not happy. I don't. I do appreciate it. Does work. Uh, it does well. work. Work very well. Uh, We're I on just it together right now. Yeah, yeah, but I just don't feel comfortable because of the whole Google is evil thing. Um, so I had a look around at this before I I and and. Basically, I, I went with going for Google for the line of least resistance. Plus, also, I recognize that collaboration is a two-way street. We tried my way, and it didn't work. So I figured we should do it the way you were comfortable with. But um, I, I did look at Evernote, but you need to have a premium subscription to I actually had, collaborate with right, that. I had the premium Evernote. Uh, I paid for it for two years in a row. And I let it lapse last time because I, I didn't see, A, number one, I wasn't collaborating with anybody. And if you're not collaborating, yeah. there's zero reason to have the premium Evernote account. And I love Evernote. I use it all the time. I still mm-hmm. use it all the time. But And I, I kind of felt guilty for using it and never paying anything. And so it was between that and the thought that I was going to use it for collaboration that I paid the premium account. But the problem is you can't do the collaboration unless both people have the pro account. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I just to me it, it it didn't. I don't use Evernote that much, and it just did not seem to be sensible to pay for a premium subscription for both of us to pay for a premium subscription just to do something that we could do for free with with another solution. Yeah, so so that was kind of. I mean, kind if we were both on the premium already, then sure, but yeah, yeah, and and how much is that. it? How much is it now? Uh, I think it's I quite, was paying like uh, seventy nine or so. It's not cheap. Fifty nine. I don't remember not, what it was to be honest. But it's a lot of money just for that one feature. Mm-hmm. So now I know the one thing I do use a lot of, and this is another option because I know you use it as well. I have a uh, the 
the higher tier Dropbox. So mm-hmm. like right now I've used, uh, it used to tell you right in the menu, but now you got to click a few things. I'm using 21% of my Dropbox, but I've, it's 21% of 108.4 gigabytes. Yeah. The, the problem with Dropbox though is you can't, you can't access the same, no, um, same file at the same time, right. which is what Google Docs gives mm-hmm. you. And that's kind of what we wanted. Because, yeah, if I uh, add something in the show notes as we're talking, you can't see it if we're just sharing a document in Dropbox. But if it's you know Google, you can see it as I'm typing. And also as well, if, you, if you're in that mode where it's just sharing a document between you, you do run the risk of both of you making changes at the same time and then which one wins. Mm-hmm. And for show notes, that's not what we want because we don't want to lose anything because right. that's what happened to us before. That's exactly what so, happened to us yeah. before. Incompatibility yeah. and uh, yeah. So, so the, the one thing I did find is something called Etherpad, which uh, is interesting, but the we, we'd have to agree on how we were going to use this if we were going to give this a try. So e, what Etherpad is, is, is effectively it's an open source online editor. Um, and it, it's, it's actually really quite nice in that it's clientless, so you can run it in your browser. Um, you don't need to have something downloaded. Um, Although there is downloads for Linux, Mac, can, Windows. Yeah. But but that's that's kind of for setting up your own um, server, mm-hmm. right? But you don't need to do that. You can just do it in the browser if you don't if you don't want to have a have a, a local copy running or you don't want to be running your own server. And because it's open source, there's plenty of people who are operating public servers that you don't even need an account for. You can basically go on, create a new document, and it will just stay there um, persistent, provided you know where it is. Um, then each of you, anybody can reach it and can put stuff in it, which is uh, it's quite a nice kind of freeform type solution. Uh, and obviously, because it's open source, you don't you don't need to to pay for it. Uh, and there are people like Wiki. Uh, the one I, I suggested we look at was uh, one running on the Wikimedia.org website, which means it's not likely to be pulled because obviously they they're using it for their own purposes. And Wikimedia is a big organization so it's not like he just disappear one day because that's the risk you'd take with with just using some guy's server somewhere as he might turn it off and that's it yeah it's <laughs> gone. Uh, and i suppose I, I suppose we could always we could always um, host our own server on the mymac system somewhere if we wanted to it looks like it has a chat feature as well yeah i'm definitely game to trying anything well um, yeah i didn't want to as i said i didn't want to force it on you without uh without us looking at it because obviously we have at the moment we have a solution that's working which is google docs so um you know we can we can decide what we're doing it's funny actually i can see where you are in the document now yeah <laughs> on I google can, docs I there's a little red thing too. that shows yeah yeah yours is actually kind of a pink color yeah so it tells yours it's uh it, obviously it decides Mine's a manly we're... blue damn it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. I, I like it because a, it's free. That's always good. But then again, so is the Google doc stuff, but it's open source. It's not a giant company and you know, they're not spying on you when you're using it, which I think we both realize that that does happen with, with Google. Docs. Well, that's, you know, we would recognize that that's how Google's paying for this is they're trolling the stuff for, mm-hmm. uh, but the, 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 the I, I guess philosophically, the difficulty I have is that we're, um, we're an independent podcast. Yeah. We do product reviews. We talk about products all the time. We put that stuff on our show notes, and then Google those goes then trawling it and starts doing advertising type things on it. To me, that feels a little bit uncomfortable. I get you. 
you know, you see what I mean? It's like, it's kind of like when we're not doing something that's completely commercial and yet a commercial company is kind of scooping it and doing what they want with it. To me, that feels vaguely conflicty. Well, why don't you set up a new note on either pad uh, using yeah. the wikipedia.org site and we'll go from there and see what it looks like and we'll report back here in a week or two and let people know <laughs> how the collaboration is going. Yeah, if, if in the next couple of weeks we're winging it, then our listeners will know this. Because yeah. <laughs> we've been pretty tight the last you know four shows because, yeah. once again, we've gone to show notes, which, quite honestly, I don't need, you don't need, but it does make the show a little bit tighter. Yeah. And there's times that we come in and we, we, we have nothing. Yep. You know those shows, listeners. So, a um, couple more things before we wrap up. We're going to go a little bit longer than usual this week. We do have feedback, and we're going to get to that at the very end, uh, from Tim Clark. For a minute, I almost said Tim Cook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tim Cook good. says, yeah. shut up. Tim Cook, <laughs> Tim Cook says, oh, yeah, I just want to let you guys know what we're doing with the next iPhone. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> right. um, here's the iPhone mini. It's a, got a four, It's got a two-and-a-half-inch screen, and it comes with Scrabble, which is cool. <laughs> And we're trying to license Tetris. Um, you sent this link over from uh, techhive.com. Yeah. And your whole point was not so much that the software is coming out, but that this guy is, well, you call him a, a smug, <laughs> condescending git. And the, and the article is about something that I think is going to be pretty cool, honestly. Bioshock, oh, yeah, was... which is a seven-year-old program, Bioshock is coming to iOS. Now, Bioshock was a AAA title that came out on the Xbox 360 and the PS3, and eventually the Mac and the PC and the Wii, probably. I don't know. It, it's, it was everywhere for a while. Yeah. Uh, First-person shooter game, but it, it takes the shooter, whatever you want to call it, genre, and kind of a little bit of a different category. Uh, that, yeah, the big thing about Bioshock, and then Bioshock Infinite, which was the third sequel, which was out last year, was a, was a really big game last year. Won all sorts of awards. Yep. The 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 shtick with these games is not so much that they are first person shooters; it's the environment you're in. There's kind of a, steampunk. a, a kind, yeah steampunk stroke gothic um, story going on about um, these abandoned um, kind of uh, new world type experiments. Where where guys try you know rich guys try to create a, you know a utopian cities underwater and it all went wrong and all the people who left there have all been kind of messed up and all of that so it's a very interesting environment you play these games and even though the game itself is you know just it's a standard you know shoot shoot the bad guys type deal yep you know and and also I from playing it I remember it's actually pretty creepy it, you know, <laughs> it actually had a really creepy atmosphere. The yeah. thing about Bioshock to me is I, I dug it, but it always seemed to come out when I was already playing something. Mm. So, for instance, when I, I think when it first came out, um, shortly thereafter, like GTA 4 came out, which is like, uh, okay, yeah. well, I'm going to be playing GTA 4 for the next two years, which I did. Um, or there's a new Lego game that came out, or there was always something, so I couldn't really get into Bioshock the way I wanted. And I've got the original Bioshock on the 360. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, maybe six months ago, uh, I've got a PlayStation Plus account, which you have to pay like 100 bucks a year for, but yeah. they give you really good titles throughout the year for free to play. You only got a certain 
time frame to download them or to purchase them for free. And mm-hmm. they stop working if you don't renew your subscription, which I always renew right. it. I forgot yeah. one year <clears throat> and a whole bunch of my games stopped working. I didn't realize I had so many free things that I had got through PlayStation Plus. So I immediately went and renewed my... Uh, they came out with Bioshock Infinite. And yeah. I thought, wow, that's a that's like a AAA title from just six months ago. And I started playing it. It's not an easy game at all. But the graphics were amazing. It seemed really cool. And then GTA V came out, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started playing that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a cool series. And my question immediately was, could this really run well on iOS? I- well, this, this was the thing for me. To me, the, the fact that we have these older games that were great in the day um, perhaps have slightly less graphical requirements than a, than a current AAA title, certainly on a, on an Xbox One or a PS4, but even a, a late 360 title, you know, is really making that hardware hum. Yep. But these older games didn't. You know, these older games were... were not really capitalizing on the on the cutting edge of what those systems were were able to deliver, but they're still very good looking games. To me, I think it's very exciting and says something about the iOS and the, uh, tablet gaming generally that uh, that manufacturers are considering porting these old games to these platforms to try and find a new audience. Oh, and yeah, so I, I started. I started reading the story and I thought, this is great. This is what I want to see. This is how I want to see tablet gaming. Oh, and yes, this is a game that I played about a third of the way through and gave up on. I would be quite into paying a little bit more than I normally play for my iPad games and playing this through on the iPad. We don't know how so, much it's going to cost. We don't know. No, how it's but coming uh, but out. We know it's uh, let's face it, very soon though. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to be ninety-nine cents. This one is it? No, it's going to be. It's going to be a, a pr- more premium title, and I don't mind about that. I no, think I saw I a like a twenty-minute, twenty-five-minute playthrough. Not all the way through, obviously, but a play on iOS, on YouTube. Someone playing it. I think it might have been the Touch Arcade guys or something. Yeah. But and it looked fantastic. I was like, yeah. "Wow, that's on an iPad. That's that's pretty amazing." So I start reading this story. This was on Tech Hive. So um, and there'll be I'm a start- link in our show notes. Yeah, I'm reading through this story later this summer. Um, six years after they first talked about porting it, it's being handed by, handled by 2K China, who the team who did XCOM Enemy Unknown last year, yep. which was a great game uh, on the iPad. So some heavy lifting had to be done to get Bioshock under the two gig size limit on iOS. So some of the high end graphics are gone, uh, blah, blah, but it looks a bit simplified, but still it's Rapture, which is the name of the environment you play the game running on the iPad and the iPhone. And I'm thinking, oh, great, all good. And then, then the writer says, it's certainly an impressive technical feat, but at some point with these iOS ports, I think someone needs to say, just because it can be done doesn't mean it should be done. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Right. <laughs> and he goes on to say, Bioshock is a fantastic game, one that's a bit more obvious in its flaws now than it was in 2007, but still an important example of game storytelling, but does it make sense as an iOS game? XCOM certainly did. It's a slow turn-based game that you consume in 10 or 15-minute chunks. Jump in, take three or four turns, save and quit. Also, the click-heavy controls were already primed for touch screens. Bioshock is a fast-paced action game with complex shooter controls that require split-second timing and multitasking. But Polygon have already said it's a mesmerizing experience as long as you played a Bluetooth controller with your device. In other words, as long as you're playing it like a real console. But how many people are going to purchase the game and try to play it with the touchscreen overlay controls? I guess the answer is a sizable amount, and that's a shame. 
Overlay controls are a pox on mobile games. Rather than devising a control scheme that makes sense, they're the laziest way to make a non-mobile game, game run on mobile devices. So yes, it's impressive from a technical standpoint, but I'm not convinced that, the, that it's the type of mobile experience we should be lauding. And I'm reading this and I thought, screw you. Yep, I Screw agree you. you. What an idiot. What an idiot. Again, this kind of the thing of saying, oh, yeah, you can't, un- unless it's touch-based, unless it's turn-based, unless you can play it in small chunks when you're standing in a queue, it's not worth playing. I don't even what think I, that's what, what, what I, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, why take a game like Bioshock, which was a masterpiece in 2007 and won all these awards, why port that over to iOS where, ugh, it's just there's no buttons and it's on screen and ugh. Uh, you know what he is? He's a console snob. He's a console snob. Yeah, yep. exactly. And yeah. Now look, you know how I feel about consoles. I love them. Yeah. But I also love iOS gaming. I love Android Absolutely. gaming when it makes sense. I love. I play games on my Mac. I I don't care where the game is. And someone should clue this guy. In, there's no buttons on the iPhone or the iPad, buddy. There's no buttons. You can't yeah. use the shutter button or the mute button to control your guns in the games. I mean, the, guy, yeah, the guy's dumb. The the point is is that touch screen controls for um for a, a a run and gun first person shooter they can be bad or they can be good. Well, I looked at this this gameplay and the touch screen buttons to to do things is where the gun is. Something right. that's completely you don't even have to look at in the game, even on the console. It's what yeah. what's on the screen in front of your character. This isn't yeah. in the way or something. It's not detracting from the experience. This guy is just a console snob. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, I just it it annoys me that that guys like this get this sort of opinionated coverage. It really does because you know what he could have reported that he could have reported this just given us the facts. We don't need a pile of his opinion. And you know yeah. the, the thrust of the article should have been: look at these last generation AAA titles that are coming to mobile. You could take these with you because up to this point, David, really the biggest AAA titles that's ever come to iOS has been GTA. But they've only yeah. ported the PS2 stuff, you know, mm-hmm. two generations ago. Here's the first AAA title. And I know XCOM is a big game, but it was never a AAA title on console. It just wasn't. Yeah. Here's the first AAA first-person shooter coming to iOS on the current iOS, too. Not, you know, one, two years from now. The current iOS coming out probably within a matter of weeks at this point. They wouldn't have released gameplay footage and all that unless it was ready to go. Yeah. Um, how amazing is that, that we're playing games and, and what does this mean? What was the big console titles that we can maybe look forward to playing? Is it call of duty? Is that stuff coming? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, is it GTA four and five? Could we get that on? Yeah. Don't that's were- the kind of reporting that could have been done. That's where the thrust yeah. of the story could have been and focus on the game itself coming out. Instead, this guy went snobbish and nah. I don't know if we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. Oh, it just it ticked me off too. I read it. And yeah. I was just like, ugh, what a condescending ass. <laughs> uh, let's get. To- <laughs> yeah, I, I'll just just one thing is I noticed yep. there are zero comments on this article, which means they turned them off. Yep, for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we did get listener mail from uh, yep. Tim Clark. He's from the UK, so you get to read this one. Okay. <laughs> Have Tim you noticed not... we get a disproportionate number of UK listeners writing in? Uh, I, well, I... You know what that is? Americans are just lazy. <laughs> you reckon? 
I can say that without being a condescending well, maybe, maybe British we have, ass. You can't. Yeah, See, if you maybe, say it, they're like, yeah. oh, that condescending British ass. Yeah. If I said he's like, hey, he's one of us. What's he talking about? <laughs> Shut up. You're going to let everyone know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we don't have any American listeners. Maybe well, that's, that's what true. Is. Maybe we're bigger in the UK than we are. You know, you should go into the uh, the UK iTunes and see where we rank there compared to the US. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, uh, see, the, and, and the other aspect of that, David, is over in the UK, I'm your singing monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear this really good tech fan show? Yeah, he's got an American guy in there with him too, but <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> so, uh, so Tim says, hi, both. Your podcast is great entertainment, great off ramblings with many deviations from the topics that make, just make me feel I'm sat in a bar with a couple of buddies talking about tech stuff. Really great. Thank you both. You know, we actually uh, go for that. That's kind of yeah. what we've always wanted. We, and when podcasting started, David, remember, and when I started in podcasting, that was exactly what I wanted to go for. I wanted, I didn't want expert commentary. I mean, there's some shows that I want to hear that, but I didn't want to do that myself. And I could do that if I wanted, but I don't want to. I wanted yeah. it to sound like, hey, here's two guys that have the same passion for something, in this case, technology and what have you. And it's just like sitting in a bar, having a good conversation with these guys. Yeah, and even getting serious, arguing sometimes. Exactly. And even with the, the, the show notes we do, that all they are is things to talk about. We don't put the opinions in the show notes. So, um, you know, kind of what... Yeah, we kind of do, though. I mean, if you go back out to... Okay, I... We, we actually do have conversations in our show notes. Oh, yeah, we, we, we kind of do. But what we don't do is say, well, we don't... We don't say, right, well, you have this opinion and I'll have that opinion and then we'll see how it goes. I mean, we, we could just kind of riff off the topic once we get going on right. it. Right. And I'll yeah. give people the prime example. This yeah. is, instead of the note being, David sells out to Google Notes for show notes. Well, <laughs> we don't have to go anywhere beyond that in our show notes. But then yeah. <laughs> I put then the that in and then, <laughs> and then David puts in a bullet point underneath. Yeah, because effing Evernote needs premium payment for collaboration. Bastards, I am not happy. And I wrote, yep, was the only reason I had a premium account, but not worth it in the end. And then David comes back with, I'd like us to try this one, uh, clientless, if you want it to be, online, simple, open source, Wikipedia host, and either pad service at. So our note is, David sells out to Google Notes for show notes. And then we have a conversation. You know, that's great. That's the kind of yeah. stuff that I like to to bring out on the show. And if, honestly, if that wouldn't have been there, I I probably wouldn't have remembered the Evernote thing. Yeah, yeah. But but what we do, we're not artificially setting ourselves. No, up. no, no, not at Have all. Scripts or anything like no, that. No, so. God, no. Yeah, no. If it so, was a script, David, I would. <laughs> B E A. I, no, I love. Yeah, I love Tech Fan. It's better than Cats. I want to listen to it again and again and again. <laughs> right, so <laughs> going back from that tangent. So Tim goes on. So recently the other I Tim, started. The Tim writing in. The other Tim, yeah. yeah. I recently started a little project to see how much fun I could have with a 95 pound Zotac ID18, 8 gig RAM, and a 60 gig SSD and Linux Mint Cinnamon. Turns out lots. Pounds. Where does it say that at? What? You said... Oh, okay, never mind. Go ahead. Yeah. 
Yep. Turns out, lots. I run a mid 2011 Mac Mini with 16 gig RAM and loads of media on it, and daisy chained uh, Western Digital MyBooks on FireWire 800. So, for fun and the love of tinkering in a project, I shelled out a few quid and set off to have some fun in an alternate commuting universe. To see if your money doesn't stretch to Apple prices, you can you still have smooth, reliable, beautiful computing and media experience. I don't know terminal commands, and I'm not a programmer. I just like a challenge of fiddling with tech stuff. The product isn't got ongoing, but doing well. If Amazon still supported Linux natively for their cloud player and prime video, all will be very well indeed, but they don't. So I still have a way to go replicating or at least having a good alternative to my Apple solution. I think it would be great to hear your stories on this sort of thing, trying out different tech and having fun making it work for you. Anyway, love the show. I'm a recent listener about three months now and hope this email reaches you both in good health and happiness, guys. All the best, Tim in the UK. I'm in uh, good health and I'm happy. Yeah, me too. So, I, you know, this is exactly why we started TechFan, David. I yep. want to try different things in technology. I don't want to be married to just one platform. Yes, we both love iPhones and iPads and Macs, so we're Apple fans. Uh, I work for a company that supports Apple products. And I can't imagine ever not using Apple products. But that doesn't mean I only use Apple products. That would be such a narrow, boring point of view. And, and listen, I've heard some podcasters on other shows. It's clear that's the only thing they have any experience with. That's their whole universe. And anything anybody else is doing is, is junk because it's not Apple. I don't have that opinion. And I know no. you don't either. No, so definitely not. I definitely want to be doing other things in technology. I'll give you a prime example of that, David. Um, I've been looking in on Craigslist. Not that I can really afford anything right now, but I'm trying to figure out what prices are. And I came across a listing just north of me, maybe 60 miles north of me. This guy is selling arcade machines. Now, he's got some working and some not working. So I sent him an email. I said, hey... Uh, how much for this, this, and he gives me a price, which was way too much that, uh, okay, no, thank you. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm really looking at building a main cabinet, mm -hmm. but I would rather use an existing cabinet. I'm not a carpenter, David, on any level. I mean, I could do the basics, but that's about it. I don't have that. That skill set's not me. Yeah. I'm more of an electronics guy. So I thought I would love to have an old, say, Miss Pac-Man cabinet. Yep. And retrofit it, pull out all the guts, because I don't need any of it, put in a flat screen monitor behind there, put in a PC running um, some kind of a MAME software, uh, wire up good joysticks. If I could use the pre-existing joystick, fine. If not, you know, buy new ones, because none of this is really expensive. To me, the, the expensive part would be the PC, which I can't imagine spending more than 300 bucks for, maybe no. 150 tops for the monitor. But how much is the arcade cabinet going to cost me? Well, he's got some, um, and I didn't see pictures yet. But he's got them from basically a hundred bucks to six hundred bucks for non-working cabinets, mm -hmm. and I think that that's interesting to me. That's a price point that I could probably afford here really soon, seeing how as I just went back to work. Um, my biggest problem though is where the hell am I going to put a cabinet? That was my wife's question when I kind of mentioned this to her. Where are you going to put that? Um, I said, look, honey, my, my dream, and we can't do it in this house cause it's too small, but my all time dream would be to have three arcades, uh, arcade cabinets. I should say one would be miss Pac-Man with the speed up chip. Mm -hmm. One would be burger time. Cause it's one of my all time favorite games. And one would be a MAME cabinet with like 3000 different arcade games and emulation stuff in there. That would be yeah. my dream setup. 
And she goes, yeah, $20,000? And I said, no. Uh, a Miss Pac-Man with a speed-up chip in really good conditions probably going to run me a grand. Uh, a Burger Time is going to cost a little bit more because it's a little bit more rare, but 1200 bucks. And a main cabinet is going to cost a lot, significantly less than either one of those. So we're talking less than three grand for basically what my dream has been for years. Yeah. And I, I would really like to do that. And if that does happen, we're talking episodes and episodes of content on tech fan yeah. of my adventures doing that. Now, funnily enough, I've just looked on Gumtree, which is kind of the UK equivalent of Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And I can see on here, I've always wanted a cocktail, um, cabinet so did i yeah 12 my living room 2000 bucks brand new i am i am looking for 350 pounds that's about 500 dollars a 1980s burger time cocktail arcade machine in full working order how much shipping to the u.s again (laughs) wow yeah and um, yeah, I've always. And I mean, I I would love to have one of those, and then like like you do, put put main put a main thing into it, running off the monitor uh, with the original control, so you could run more than one game on it. That'd be that'd be fabulous. But you know what? We we talked about the Raspberry Pi, and you sent me a link for um a, basically a, a kind of really easy way to get the Raspberry Pi running main with yep. hundreds of games on it. Yep. Uh, and I'm definitely going to do that in the next couple of weeks. Are you? That's awesome. Yeah, def- definitely going to get it working. And I just sent you the list yeah. that what this guy sent me, uh-huh. an email on what he has. Take a look at that. Cool. And uh, <laughs> I, it's amazing what he has. And not all of it works, but wow. I And I'm going to have to go up there and take a look. Um, I just can't bring a lot of cash with me because I know... <laughs> Yeah. I would drop a lot. And if I drive the Honda up, I won't be able to buy anything because there's no freaking way I could get it home. But if I bring the Ford Explorer, I, you know, I could make, yeah, Especially right, if I yeah. go by myself. If, you know, I could lay all the seats down in the back, slide it right in, and then get that eye-rolling look from my wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, David, I again. do... Uh, Oh, you sent me a link. Is this the Burger Time one? This is the Burger Time one, yeah. Just so, to make salivate a bit more. Let me take a look. Oh, it's beautiful. Look at that. Uh, you know what I don't like? He's got the controls on the long part of the table. And mm-hmm. they're, they it looks like it's horizontal. That's really an odd look. I'd ha- Yeah, I don't like that at all. So you'd be pulling up. Unless it yeah. slides out or something. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think that's it. It looks like he's. This has been converted from a different game. Yeah, oh, this is not because you can see around the controls. It's got kind of spaceships and stuff like yeah, that. It doesn't yeah. burger time. So it looks like somebody's put a different um, thing in there, which is why the controls are kind of the way it is. It's um, still kind of neat though. I wouldn't yeah, pay that much money for it, but no. it's pretty cool. I mean, but yeah, as a cabinet goes, it's they're in pretty good condition. I mean, if you if you prepared to put the effort to get them working, um, you can pick them up pretty cheap. Absolutely. But, so we uh, do have to wrap up the show because I'm actually doing an interview with the gentleman at twelve thirty, which is like seven minutes from now, uh, from the gentleman who actually wrote and produced our theme music, David, for this show, Kevin oh, Reeves. I'm going to have him on a future episode of OWC Radio. I've got like two or three uh, people I've already interviewed for upcoming shows. And so I'm recording ahead of time, obviously. 
So mm-hmm. Kevin Reeves, and I'll I'll make an announcement here on this podcast when I have him on. Uh, Kevin Reeves is going to be on OWC Radio. He's a very talented musician. He's also completely blind from birth and a uh, heavy user on, on Macs. And he's pretty amazing. And he wrote the My Mac theme music and performed it, as well as the tech fan music and performed it for us. And uh, he's, a, he's a really cool guy, and I'm looking forward to talking to him again. We've actually had him on... I know we've had him on the MyMac podcast. I don't know if we've ever had him on the TechFan podcast, though. Um, don't, I don't recall. Yeah. I don't think so. But, we should, uh, we should probably do that someday because he wrote the theme music for this show. Yeah. So, David, thanks very much for uh, making the time to be in on this episode. Because I know you've got a traveling coming up. You're going to be in San Francisco soon. A couple of weeks' time, yeah. And yeah. I'm a, um, I'll be here next week. The week after that, I'm, I'm away on vacation on a cruise ship. So not very easy to podcast from there. And then the week after that, I'll be in San Francisco. Well, you, uh, you've been well until next week, and I'll talk to you then. And in the meantime, right. if anybody wants to send us feedback, once again, we love feedback. It really helps us with the show. It's Tim or David, either one, at techfanpodcast.com. Or do, do what uh, Tim Clark did. Go up to our website and leave a comment. And that's techfanpodcast.com website. Just leave a comment there, and we will uh, read it right here on the show. Talk to you next week, David. Speak to you then. <laughs>